episode 29, we'll do a normal intro for Brent since the last 15 minutes he didn't like our funny ones. So there, was that boring enough for you, Brent? Yeah, that's perfect, and I'll just replay all those. Those can be in the outtakes later. Great. I don't think most of them we can publish, but that's yeah. okay. Well, hopefully the show's not going to be as boring as that intro was. But we'll, we'll do it just for you, Brent. Oh, we got some great questions today. I don't think it'll be boring unless you, well, never mind. You know, sales would probably skyrocket if we ever sold those outtake uh, copies. Yeah. yeah. Or we'd all be in jail. Well, you know, you watch, you watch movies and <laughs> they right, always have that idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ed, we got you on your uh, your out with a guy's night, right? Out with a guy's night. Yeah, drinking beer. Bourbon. Tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah. This uh, this is my interaction I get on the Internet. They say if you drink by yourself, you're an alcoholic, so I wait till Tuesdays and uh, talk with you guys. <laughs> there goes 42 listeners. <laughs> As they're eating their Danish on the way to work in the morning. Right. These guys, these guys are wrong. Click. So do we want to roll right into questions? What? Huh? What? Huh? Do you just want to interrupt me the whole show? Is that yeah, the plan? What's your friend's okay. name? Paven? No. We're not going to mention names. Would okay. you can talk to some guy in Pakistan about Dell Tech Support? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, didn't you say you knew the guy in Dell Tech Support in Pakistan? That is not what I said. Oh, Mark knows somebody in Pakistan, but you know a guy in Dell no, Tech Support. We, we no, we got an email from somebody in Islam- Islamabad, Pakistan. He said he's the biggest fan in the country, let alone the continent. So a big shout out for listening to us at that distance. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, hello, yeah. hello to all the Iron Warriors out there. I'm trying to get you back into listening too, so we can get our numbers up. We love you. We love Harley Davidson so, and keep on riding safe. Yeah, we don't really care about you, but we love our numbers, so please oh, good listen. That's nice. It's a great way to make some friends there. Well, when, when they, they were listening. Their nails done, I'm sure they'll be back. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. <laughs> coming from the Yamaha, man. You brought it up. So, should we, do, Mark, do you have any news that we want to start with this time instead of uh, going into questions? We got a ton of questions, so we might as well actually get through most of them. Yeah, I have one. Why did Pittsburgh lose the Super Bowl? Oh, I'm not talking about Super Bowl. Forget it. It's political. Did you oh, hear no, about there's the, a conspiracy behind it, right? Did you hear about the snow or ice that fell off of the dome ahead of time, like almost killing people? Dude, that was wild. Well, they <laughs> said Rothsberger denied that there was any penetration <laughs> of the defense, and it was just obviously there it was. That was good, Mark. Oh, Mark, good Mark made it funny. <laughs> I don't know if this should continue or not. No, I so, think it's get the question. question. Let's get into oh, the questions. Oh, questions. Who was okay. on the radio show today? I'm just repeating what somebody else said. I the guess you could hear the defense up. yelling, no, no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. We're off to a terrible start. Okay. Turning right on a red light. You thought there were 18. I mean, 18 linemen up there. Possession of a <laughs> okay. clip magazine. Uh, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a bunch of questions. And it's so. right up the middle. Entrapment, entrapment. Yeah. Any any time anytime you guys want to answer the questions, yeah, you just let me know. Before we have to start the show over again, let's get into a question. Okay, so looks like we got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six questions tonight, one of which I think is gonna take a while to talk about because Mark wrote a paragraph for ten pages on. Um, the first one's about window tinting. I have no idea who the writer was for it which is too bad but uh here's the question so it says hi i was wondering if it's right that i was uh, he was pulled over on 111 11. so right there you know he's guilty 
um, by the local police department for window tent, ticketed $125. But the tent has been on his car since 2002. The window tent law was put into effect in 2004. So I got the proof for him to see that it was done in 2002. And I know a little bit about the laws in Ohio, which I assume is where he's from, and what they can and cannot do. It Basically, he's, he's looking for the information on since the window tinting was put on the car before 2004 when the rule was put into place, is he still, and well, A, how can he get out of it if he can? B, is it legal to get a ticket? Well, I'm that. thinking the laws for public intoxication went into effect in 2004. So if you can show in court that you're still buzzed from 2000 before <laughs> the law went into effect, you should be good to go. Ed can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how you'd prove that, though. Is that like a blood test? That's a lot, man. That's hey, really... The, uh, the uh, retroactive uh, law remedy thing ain't going to work. Just get the driver's window and the side window clear. Go to court and say, Your Honor, I didn't know. I bought the car that way. This is my bill of sale. I got the ticket. I've thus uh, had the vehicle corrected. Here's a photo of the windows. And I would appreciate if you would dismiss us on proof of correction and go on with life. Yeah, you know, you don't even have to go see the judge. The ex facto part that he mentions or something, right. that's that's more of the criminal nature where, let's say, somebody gets convicted of a, of a misdemeanor a couple of years ago. And after he was convicted uh, or after he committed the crime, they upped it to a felony. They can't go back and change his misdemeanor to a felony after the fact. I mean, it's it's more for that type of situation, not for like somebody that had window tint where, because it's like the seatbelt law, the seatbelt laws for everybody. What if somebody says, Hey, I removed the seatbelts out of my car a week before that law was passed. So I don't need seatbelts. It's not up to the cop on the street to be judging when you did or didn't do anything. He's going to write the ticket. And if you feel you got to fight in court, go to court. But it's, that's that's why they're called judges. They judge the case. Retro stuff's not going to work with like uh, infractions and and equipment violations. Okay. So there's a really good thing. His guy should be thankful for. He's had been able to have his tint on since 2004, seven years. So he was pretty lucky to roll seven years without getting popped for it before then. Nine nine years, 2002. Well, sometimes a cop will write a ticket and you don't have to get it fixed. You could just pay the fine and leave it on. But if you want to dismiss, then you got to take it off. So, I don't know if he's got tickets before. That's a state-by-state thing, though. Right. Yeah. Depends on where you're at. The other thing is, is why do cops hate window tinting? And I think that's something we should hit on, too. It's an officer safety issue, I think. Well, I don't think people realize the fact of these cars. I think that with somebody, well, I guess we were talking about it in the last show, where they pulled the guy out of the car and said, hey, take a look at all this at a DUI checkpoint. Were we talking about that, or was that after the show? I think you were dreaming about that, Brent, because I don't remember I might have been. Well, the issue is, is that you can't see the people in the car and what especially they're doing. The limo tent. So people have that black limo tent, especially at nighttime. You walk up to a car, somebody could be pointing a gun at you, and you wouldn't see it until the window went down. So it's, right. it's a big officer safety issue. Hey, anything behind the driver's window or the front passenger window is fair game, but those two windows better be clear. Otherwise, that's like zero tolerance. You're getting well, that's in certain states because it's legal to have front window tent yep. in Arizona and Washington and a few other states. It's legal there. So yeah, they they have their limits here also. I mean, you got to be able to see through the tent to see the movements of the, of the front seat passengers. Yeah, not in Arizona, it's legal to, to run out into the street naked at midnight and shoot your gun <laughs> off, isn't it, Ed? Yeah, you can do that in San Francisco too, depending on what gun you're shooting off. <laughs> God. 
bottom you guys are on line fire is tonight. if it's illegal in your state and you get a ticket for it, the retro thing's not going to work for you. And that probably leads us into another question regarding window tint in states, right, Brent? Uh, sure, why don't you ask it? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. Remember the other guy that said the car was registered um, in another state, but he got a ticket? Oh, yeah. Virginia, oh, North but, Carolina. But, but yeah. you see, you don't, you don't, you must not read the show notes because I didn't actually have that in here. No, I don't read your show notes, Brent. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm glad. Let's talk, hey, let's talk about this gal who's got this. It's registered uh, in Kentucky. Okay, so, you didn't drive it in Kentucky. Don't so, bring it so to move, California. Moving right along, and I think that Jim could probably answer this one. Because I'm sure he's had this problem. So, was that have to do with failed marriages? <laughs> no, but if you if you let me say it, you'll you'll get it. So, the question is, the question is, hello, I have a boyfriend that lives with me. Oh, that's wanna, why you're having Jim answer it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, just give me a second here. I want to break up with him and make him leave the house. I've tried to ask him to leave. He refuses to. He threatened to hurt the dog. He uh, and he would break things, or he or things would magically disappear. Uh, I have to keep anything of value in my car all the time, and I've changed the locks when he was out. He broke the window to get it. I have no family other than my son that lives with with her. Uh, she can't afford to move. Your son lives with her, Brent. Shut up. I rent the place myself and pay the bills myself. What can I do? I, I yeah. read that. I read that question when you sent it to me, and, and uh, I started losing uh, focus on what she was saying when she said she went to the trouble of changing the locks, but he broke in to get in. That, to me, that means like he's already moved out and he's out of the house. But if it's her house and she, it, her name solely on the rental agreement or the or the uh, the title, and and. Uh, He's established residency there, whether it's for a couple months or whatever. She has a victim just like anybody else, unless I'm wrong about that. But uh, if he's been gone and nice and, disclosure, <laughs> here's my opinion. Unless if I'm he's wrong. been gone, then, I mean, if she's going to go to the trouble of of, uh, of changing all the locks, why doesn't she go down and file a, a report for stalking and uh, and get a restraining order? Well, it can't be a stalking. He's been there every day. We run into this all the time. Um, you know, couples living together, they get in a fight, and all of a sudden, I want them out. I'm on the lease. He's not even on the lease. I want him out. And Jim hit the nail on the head. I don't know what it's like with the other states, but if someone has established residency, meaning they live there, they've got some clothes there, um, they've got squatters' rights. Doesn't matter if they don't pay their rent. Doesn't matter if they're not on the lease. It doesn't matter if if someone was allowed to live there. They got some clothes there. They've got squatters' rights. You either have to. Um, have him evicted, or else if there's some kind of a violence or safety issue, you got to get a restraining order to have him out. But um, I yeah, think but in this she, case, Mark, I think she answered the question herself. He's threatened to hurt her dog, and he breaks things, and sounds like she's fearful of him. I think a, a temporary restraining order in a demo, uh, in a fear situation would be her issue to get this guy out of the house. Yeah, and I think and I she's and also, she's protecting her son too. So right, I right. also maybe if the apartment, because she said she didn't want to move. Um, if the apartment complex would let her move into another apartment within the same complex, if she moves there and calls him and tells him, you know, gives him time to get his stuff out of the other apartment, you can't just put it out or you're liable for it. But as long as she moves into the new apartment, does not have any of his stuff there, does not let him come in, if he breaks into that apartment, then it's burglary and he could be arrested. Uh, that's a good point. 
I mean, he's going to have to take more action, though, because this right. doesn't sound like the kind of dude that's just going to go away and say, okay, sorry. You know, no. she's going to have to file a report and uh, and follow through with it and get a restraining order. Right. And, I mean, the, the worst part is she's keeping valuable stuff in her car, which is absolutely the worst place to try to keep anything valuable. Especially in that particular part of California. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so, she has to live like that. No, not with the kid, especially. Yep, no, the so, best bet would be, especially with the threats made, file a threats report and get a, uh, a restraining order to get him kicked out of there. And he can't come with, within 500 feet of her, can't contact her or threaten her. Right. Um, otherwise, he could be arrested for violation of the court order. So but then again, how, how many times have you gone to calls where all of that sounds great and then the next day she lets this person back in? Yeah, yeah, they're they're together again. Right. And then it happens again, and then that's, they're out again. And that's then, a decision she's going to have to make. Right. I can't tell you how many how many reports that I've been writing from one night to the next and get a call back to the same house. I love him. I want him back in my life. And I'm, so I'm on page 8 or page 9 of the report from the night before, and then the third day he's back home, right back in the in pocket again with the, with the uh, girlfriend. Yeah, I don't After know if we were working one night. <laughs> you and me were on Graveyard, Ed, but we had, there was a call down downtown and uh, this guy just, he almost killed his wife. He beat her to a pulp, hit her with a pipe. There was a blood trail. It looked like a murder scene. There was a blood trail down the stairs, over some cars, to another front porch. We found her there. She almost died. Uh, he was breaking windows inside. We finally got him outside, arrested him. And uh, when she got out of the hospital, she went right back to him again. So it, it's, it's amazing when some of the stuff you see there, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this one goes. Maybe she'll write back and let us know what happened. Hopefully, it's got a good ending. Hopefully, it's good, yeah. All right, so moving on, the uh, next question is traffic stop safety, the cop's perspective. So person that wrote in says, I'm a former police officer from Texas, now living in Las Vegas. Wow, that's got to be a change. I used to work a lot of TLE, which I, what is that? Traffic What's law enforcement. There you go. So he worked at the academy as well as, a, as an FTO, always taught him to stop the violator off of the street, on a side street, in a parking lot, etc. Two reasons. One, safer for the, for the motorist and the officer. And two, is less chance of blocking traffic. Uh, what he's saying is he sees a lot of officers just stopping people right in the middle of a busy street. Uh Surely it's a huge traffic hazard. Why don't officers order the motorists off the main streets before making the stop? Sometimes you don't have a choice. I mean, it's you think people know what they're supposed to do, but some people are idiots. Some people stop in the fast lane. Some people stop on the main road. They can't understand instructions. Pull to the left. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, other times you may not always want somebody to pull off into a parking lot where there's not many people around there or a side street that's kind of isolated. I don't mind if someone stops on a, on a main street as long as there's, it's not going to be a hazard where I'm going to get hit from behind or, or something. Um, I mean, there's times you could have them pull around the corner. When I was on motors on a, on a kind of a narrow street, I'd have people pull around the corner. But it, it's up to the officer uh you know what what they feel about the situation i mean if yeah pull off the street and then get what jumped by 50 people that might be sitting over there want to get involved with the situation yeah never good well if somebody pulls into a really isolated parking lot you know because your criminal is going to look around and 
And if there's no witnesses and there's escape places to go, he's going to think twice about either doing something to you or, or bailing and taking off on foot. If, if you're on a main road and there's a lot of people around, they, they, you know, may think twice before they do something. Yeah. And if you hide yourself, if you hide yourself too much, then obviously if you need cover, you'll never get it because they'll never find you. What was yeah, the, the basis for the I question? Somebody, what? The only time I would have somebody make them or order them on the PA to pull off the road is if it's going to be a traffic hazard, you know, to where I'm going to get hit by a patrol car or something. Yeah, I think even on the strip in Las Vegas, the wife and I walked the whole strip in June of last year. I think I saw at least one traffic stop right on the main drag. And traffic is only going five miles an hour anyway, so it just slowed them down to like three. And it's but, probably uh, better. Probably yeah, better to see that law enforcement presence out there anyway. Well, that plus you've got hundreds of people walking by. They're all law-abiding citizens for the most part. And uh, they're watching what you're doing. And so I, I, there may be almost a safety factor in that particular situation. My understanding is all... The areas around the main strip are like slums there, just crawling right. with, uh, you know, criminals. So it might be to his advantage to stay on the strip. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, you know, well, I mean, it's different for every location yeah. and every neighborhood, too. So, all right. So anything else on that one? They teach safety. They, they don't teach. They don't tell you where to make your stops. They leave it up to you. But they, they do teach uh, safety, and it's up to the officer as to what's safe for them or, or not. Yeah, very, very different on the highways, at least from what my friends and like the highway patrol say, you know, it's they're they're really there to make sure that those roads stay open and make sure that traffic continues to flow, you know, oh, but they're also. The, yeah, most of the time CHP will order somebody off the off ramp on their PA speaker. If, you know, if there's just a sound wall there and there's not a lot of room, they'll they'll tell people to take the next exit. Well, In Jim's yeah. case, he says, you, take the next marina exit past the Thule patch, buoy 29. <laughs> <laughs> Park next to the big tree. So, Disregard my throw brother your being anchor out by a now. <laughs> So, Jim, to answer your question, the reason for the question is what you were asking? Yeah. Uh, well, that he was former law enforcement and... When he went from Texas to Vegas and now sees a whole new way of doing law enforcement happening in Vegas versus the way they did it in Texas, I think. Okay. I guess times change is what it comes down to. All right, so the next question. notes, Brent. Yeah, it's, you know. I just just gained 5KB space on my hard drive. That's that's nice. I'm glad because it sure doesn't show when you're in the show. So... Turning, turning right on red is the next question. Because Mark's uh, used to dealing with software. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So I'm sorry, go ahead. the next You're question from Carl. Viruses. Can I just want to read Carl's question? The poor guy just tried to ask hey, a simple I we question. We weren't supposed to mention names. Uh, this one's okay because they oh, okay. said it's okay. So, and if he didn't say it's okay, I'm sure he's going to email me and tell me it's not. But it's too late. So, tough. Is this the so, guy in Pakistan? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, Carl asks, when coming to an intersection with two right turn only lanes, may I turn red from the left right turn? You mean turn right? Can he turn from the uh, number one turn lane? Can I turn on red from the left right turn lane? So, the second right turn lane on red. Unless it's otherwise posted, yes, you may. Is that true everywhere, Mr. Traffic Law Enforcement Professional? It is in California. I don't yeah, know. If it's a right turn, the... you can't turn left. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the same it's thing posted, down here. 
This is why Jim's on a boat. Okay, so... Unless it's posted, no turn on red. Yes, it is legal from either one lane or two lanes. Um, you're if fine. You can safely do so. Yep. And it would have to be posted for it to be illegal? Correct. Okay, so it has to have some kind of sign across the street or some kind of marking that would say no turn on light or whatever. Yep. All right, so this is this must be for Ed because it has to do with machine guns. <laughs> Hey, just because we're free down in Arizona to buy stuff like that, you know. I'm just saying. We, we, we don't have to have fingerprints and slick stamps of just to buy saw, five, five rounds at Walmart now. I saw the word clip, and I just thought, Ed. So if you get caught with a magazine, but it is not yours, and they don't find a gun, can you still get charged? Also, if they were to give you back the clip, what does that mean? Also, are police allowed to let... Are police allowed to let you go after they are supposed to have arrested you because you promised them something in return? This is a lot of different questions. Let's I, take the first one. I so answered, if, you get, yeah. if you get caught with a magazine, but it is not yours, and they don't find a gun, can they still charge you for something? I believe, and, it, and this is coming from somebody who's been uh, out of the car for a long time, there used to be something on the books that if you were a felon, you couldn't even be in possession of a magazine. Is that true, Mark, if I remember yeah. right? <clears throat> not even a bullet. They can't right. even have a bullet, ammunition, or anything. M much less a magazine. So, yeah, that probably does apply to felons. Uh, down here in Arizona, uh, you know, people carry magazines around to hold their cigarette packs. But uh, <laughs> uh, they, get the, they get the clip back to you, I'm assuming. They didn't find it involved in any kind of a crime. Isn't and, it uh, uh, in Arizona that felons are limited to a 30-round clip? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, that's in Southern California. That's all they, that's all they sell down there is 30-rounders. Oh, let me man. get a let me get a three zero yo, but uh, anyway, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. So, but anyway. All right, so, so the second part was what you were just answering, which is also if they give you back the Clipper magazine, what does that mean? I'm assuming that uh, you, know, you, you were not illegally in possession of it and it wasn't involved in a crime because I know I don't know any cops that give you back some piece of of a crime that should be going in evidence. Yeah, like, here's back your bloody chainsaw, dude, no problem. Right, right, I took a picture of it, but don't clean it up before court, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, just just don't touch it or nothing. Right, right. And then, are the police allowed to let you go after they are supposed to arrest you because you promised them something in return? That's well, an actual, that's a really interesting question. Well, if they were supposed to arrest you and they didn't arrest you because you promised them something, like when we used to do nar narcotics pops, if they promised to, you know, bring you to two new dealers, you would not arrest them at that point. You'd write the case later if they didn't turn out for you, or didn't. I shouldn't say turn out. That sounds bad. If they didn't give you two good cases, right? So I mean, so that, that's that, a potential. But you got to be. They're, they're protected under some kind of informant rules, right? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah, but I mean, our, our ours was all one state of California. Well, basically, state of California. Right. So I mean, it was all you written know, up just the way it happened. A lot of cops have a ruse also, where that clip may have been totally legal, but they told them, hey, that clip's illegal, we could arrest you right now, but unless you give us some information, uh, you know, we'll let you slide. I mean, it could have just been a ruse, too. The clip may have been totally legal, and they just, you know, pulled one on them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, it all depends on the situation, I guess. Yeah. And what kind of information. Jim, are you still alive, fall, fall down, fall asleep? Yeah. Any any comments on that or no? I Guy can't think of too many people that have been arrested and then let go on a promise that they were going to mow your lawn or uh, take your garbage out at home. You know, usually you're 849 or you're given a certificate of release. 
you know, I mean, there's a big difference between being detained and being arrested. But once you're arrested, I've never heard of anyone being <clears throat> released on, on a promise without being, like, uh, officially 849 so for those that don't have a clue what an 849 is, you want to? Yeah, it's a certificate of release saying, hey, uh, you know, you were you were detained, and this detention is deemed to be a, a detention only and not an arrest. But yeah, falls under penal code 849 in California is uh, the section that, they, that you're authorized to release a B1, 2, or 3, I think it used to be, wasn't it? Sounds good. Jim? I mean, no, is that, that's, it, used to, it used to be 849, was it 1, 2, or 3, or something like that, or depending on the offense? Yeah, depending on the offense, and I, I don't have a list of what they are right now, but yeah, that sounds totally accurate. All right, anything what else saying, on... Brent? What? You follow what I'm saying? I, I follow. I do. Jeez, you okay? I think somebody just fell down upstairs. Don't you worry about that noise. So, the last question before we go into the wrap up here is about entrapment we're gonna do rap on the show we are we're gonna do a... <laughs> give me jim's a few more gonna... beers i'll sing you some rap jim, jim's gonna start it so so entrapment so i've always been confused about what constitutes entrapment can you please talk about entrapment and how law enforcement structures their undercover sting operations to ensure entrapment is avoided howard Entrapment comes into play a lot of the times. You'll see it on TV, mainly with uh, like prostitution stings. And I guess a good example is when they're doing anytime a Jim goes on a date. Yeah. Oh, you know, maybe we ought to let Jim handle it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong. God. <laughs> let, let's say you got a female cop out there working, dressed up all uh, you know, skimpy skirt and everything. It's perfectly legal. To, to get if somebody comes up and says to her hey you know I'm looking for this and how much and that as long as the the, the criminal is the one initiating contact and and asking the questions uh, the arrest is fine but if she approaches somebody and says hey you want to have sex tonight and you know and she initiates it that's that's pretty much entrapment there and I mean it that could work in so many ways under where they have the um they set up pawn shops and try to get people to come in with stolen merchandise basically if the cop is the one going out initiating everything and and arranging the deal basically that's entrapment but if right. you know if the people come to the cop and present the cop with the proposition then that's perfectly legal so and the beauty of, the time, of this most of the time i mean at these briefings for these things i i mean you're giving clear and concise orders on what you're going to do and what you're not going to do you know so that you don't cross those lines hmm. yeah that's a really complicated legal question i guess when it comes down to it well like ed when you were in narcs i mean if you went up to somebody and you proposed the drug deal and offered to sell drugs i mean that's going to be entrapment that that case would go nowhere but if somebody came up to you and said, hey, man, I'm looking for this or that, and you help arrange the deal, then then you're good. Yeah, I think the entrapment part, though, it's not necessarily walking up to try and sell somebody drugs and they buy them. That them buying the drugs in, in itself was a crime. But if you can entice the average person into buying it uh, by making the deal so fabulous and spectacular, now you're trapping him. He's like, he's like wow, I can't turn this down. A, a normal guy who normally wouldn't do that. So it's like putting a prostitute on the street who was so good looking that even the average guy who would never think of it goes, "Wow, I'll give her ten bucks for that," you know. But it's uh, you know, it's just compared to your normal scallywag. But uh, 
that that was what our our thing was is that you couldn't you know offer them a, a rack of rock for for fifty bucks when the normal price was a hundred. You know, because you, you're entrapping them, you're you're enticing them so much that even your average Joe would buy it. You know, the, I guess the beauty of all this is is that we in nine. I mean, we don't even need to use any type of entrapment in these types of things. People just do this stuff on these sting operations and get caught all the time. Right. So I mean, it's not that you know, I I don't know. I've been on a lot of stings in both narcotics and prostitution stings, and I you know. We didn't need to do much to, to land 14 people in jail each of those nights. Oh, you, you see yeah. the episodes of cops on TV and stuff. You know, they got a guy just standing on a street corner in a high crime area or some pretty girl standing there. And there is no shortage of customers coming up wanting to buy drugs or, or purchase sex. Right. So it doesn't take much. All right, well, we can fill in a couple other ones if you want. There's a couple interesting issues about searching cell phones. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about any of this stuff. Some new uh, case law now where it's uh, you could take cell phones as evidence and go through it if it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, pretty right. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so this little, this little blurb right here, it says, California Supreme Court this week ruled that police can search the contents of an arrested person's cell phone without a warrant. Yep. They can search any data stored on the arrestee's phone, including photos, address book, web browsing history, data stored in any applications, including all your social media applications, voicemail messages, search history, text messages, and chat logs. Oh, you arrest and, somebody for drugs and you go into their, you know, the smartphones they have nowadays, yep. you'll find nothing but text messages about the drug sales, what people want, you know, uh, sheets, uh, payo sheets with names, and it's amazing what you can find on a cell phone. I mean, that that's that is huge because that literally gives you access to just about everything in somebody's life. Well, that overrides another law. There was a law where you could not. Um, there were some challenges in court where you couldn't take the cell phones or access them. So this this new law, the case law, is huge for law enforcement. Right. And of course, what is what are most people say that we're invading privacy? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's too. I guess that's too late when you've committed well, a crime. Well, it just seems weird that you got to jump through hoops to get a warrant to to take someone's computer or to view someone's computer, you know, home computer, but uh, a cell phone, which is almost most of them are like computers in this day and age, you know, you can just rip through it. It just kind of. I mean, I'm all for it, but it just kind of doesn't make sense. I think the key there is if you're arresting somebody out in public and the phone's on them, it's it's the property that's on them versus going into somebody's house. There's a lot more protection in a house where you got to have your warrants and and everything. Great. So now we'll have everybody diving for houses. So. You know, the what? cell phones are a big thing now with pinging phones. They ping phones to find people, and right. uh, that that's really a big thing now also that's how they they find a lot of criminals yeah I have they, a... they just they just found two people dead uh, by pinging a phone here recently it was an ex-boyfriend or ex-husband or a strange husband who took the girlfriend uh, for a ride and uh, they couldn't find him so they pinged the phone and found it way way up in the mountains here by some old mining towns obviously both of them inside the car were you know dead but uh that was pinging the phone they got a general area where the cell phone tower was there was apparently only one tower up there period and they found both the bodies up there. Yeah, they, they can actually that triangulate. That, over, that guy that ran over the motor cop in uh, San Leandro or San Lorenzo or whatever it was and almost killed him and then took off to the border. And uh, they found him, I think, by pinging the cell phone and got him right before he went across the border. 
Yeah, it's being it's being used a lot today because of I mean uh, you can really narrow down a location of somebody via their cell phone signal. Oh, down to uh, yeah, with the GPS, it's in all the phones now, and yeah, you, know, uh, you don't even you don't even need GPS in the phone. They even can if still you turn your phone off. They can yep. still uh, ping it. Yeah, that's something that's uh, very interesting, but also incredibly time saving when it comes to finding somebody that really needs to be found. Yeah. So, um, subjects we use that also with uh, someone that's threatening suicide. They'll ping the phone and they'll find out, you know, within a few feet, longitude and latitude, where he is. It's it's amazing. Yeah, they also you also can use it uh, for building cases against people, which is really interesting. You can use all that data that's in those phones to link people together. That then you can take those links and link them to major crime sprees, and then those sprees you can pin it all onto them in court. So it's really a cool it's a cool new technology for law enforcement. I mean, it it definitely could help clean up a lot of potential crime, you know. And now with this new rule that just came out. It even gives more, you know, openness to it. The, the big issue is, as far as I'm concerned, if you commit a crime, you've lost your rights. So all these rules work in the favor of law enforcement. You know, everybody's going to contest that fact. But, hey, that's tough. You're the yeah. one who broke the law. Anytime we get a law, a case law that goes in our favor, it's great. So on a, on a different subject, the subject of false reporting, what, what kind of percentages do you think you guys got? or get with false reports from people or reports of, you know, theft or burglary or whatever that end up being fake or after the work, after the fact. I know well, we way back in the a, day. We just had a marina fire uh, at kind of a rundown marina uh, where there are a bunch of derelict boats that people were squatting on and a fire started on one of the boats um, that was related to like a propane heater and five of these boats burned up and three quarters of this marina and and the, the boat the people that were residing on the boat suddenly were in possession of thousands of dollars of jewelry and art and you know I, I mean in real life they don't have a car they don't have a license they got warrants and uh, they're hobbling down the street in the middle of the night buying crank but all of a sudden they owned all this jewelry and watches and everything else and they're filing burglary reports for uh, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of property. <laughs> the detective in me says there's a problem. There's a little problem there, but basically, I, I mean, someone would, a legitimate person would file a report like that for insurance purposes to be in re- reimbursed. Right. Why these uh, other people are, are filing false reports is beyond me because they got nothing coming. I remember a burglary report I took once. It was uh, the person claimed it was like, $1,200 worth of uh, jewelry was missing and a couple other things. So I took the report and I guess it went so well for him that a week and a half later, they said they were burglari- burglarized again. And this time there was uh, $120,000 in uh, expensive Indian jewelry and, and whatnot. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, nor- you see a lot of that with insurance fraud. I guess the biggest things also is um, child custody cases. You see people making reports of abuse or threats or or violation of court orders against the other person, which are false, or insurance. Restraining fraud. orders. Yeah. yeah, and the biggest one that I see is um, people drunk driving or they get in a crash, hit and run, and then they flee. Usually an hour and a half later, they're calling the police saying, hey, my car was stolen. So th- those are the main ones where, where you see 
you know, the false reports where it has to do with fraud or trying to get out of something. You still get a lot of those calls downtown where the, it's rock rentals where they, they report the car stolen, but they gave it over for a $20 rock and then the guy doesn't come back with the car. No, not too much. We saw rock those rentals. H&S rentals. <laughs> right. Yeah, I remember that, that was always famous when I worked midnights was, uh, you know, some kid from San Ramon. Oh, my car got stolen downtown. Well, what were you doing here in the first place? I was going to visit John. John who? I don't know who John is. And not yeah, anybody in the ra- it for a rock. And when the it's my dealer. Off, they report yeah. the car stolen. Yeah, so you have to explain to him, okay, we get into a vehicle pursuit with this guy, and he kills five people. Then he comes to court and says, you gave him the car for a $20 piece of crack cocaine, and you're going to be liable for all those dead people. I'm really sorry. I, I should have given him the key to my car. Now, we yeah, always probably tell him, you know what? You lent your car to somebody, take him to civil court. It's a civil matter. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we take a lost car report at best. You know, We don't, even, but, we don't take those anymore. Oh, you don't? Yeah, yeah. it's been a long time. But if you lent your car out in 2002 and you get a reg ticket in 2004, uh, <laughs> you, know, you might be able to get out of that registration ticket if you can show that. I gave Ed the so-and-so for a piece of rock back in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anna, I really didn't do it. I'm telling you. All right. So, so the last question, and we can wrap the show up, is uh, I guess it's a, well, it's a pretty serious question. The question is going to be if you're driving along as a general you know, citizen on the road and for some reason, you come across a law enforcement officer or anybody that's on official patrol doing anything and they're injured or shot or in some way out of commission or under fire by people, what should that citizen do? That's a broad, broad, wide open question. If, oh, he's, being, totally. if, he's, being, if he's being shot at, you certainly don't want to jump in the middle of that um, unless you had some prior training, I would think anyway. Right. But uh, if you see him laying on the ground, is well, motionless, there's nobody around. Seeking missile from the back of his car, and <laughs> take out whoever it was. Yeah, take, take out, take out my HSM. Yeah, your your grenade yeah. launcher and everything else you got. Yeah, the pop pop the button on the 50 cal comes out the roof. Yep, but that would be uh, awesome. But now, on a serious note, well, I mean, so let's 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 narrow down the situation. The situation is you're driving on some, I don't know, a band, you know, some lonely road somewhere you come across a cop that's been shot the guy's gone obviously the guy's sitting on the ground bleeding to death what's what's that person supposed to do how how do you if you're the citizen what what items what things can you do obviously you can render first aid but what other things can you do get on the radio every cop has a radio whether it's the radio the microphone on his lapel or the if it's a motorcycle or a car just key up the microphone and say officer down give the location and help will be on the way there's a lot there's a lot of training tapes in the academy that you listen to uh from dispatch where citizens have called in um at the scene where an officer has been shot and it's uh, i mean it gives you chills to to listen to them but the uh you know the citizens have been right right up front and grabbing the radio and yelling for help Yep, and I guess it it really comes down to is it's not important. Hopefully, you're going to remain calm, but the most important thing is to get on that, get on the radio, or if you have cell phone service, get that call in. But the radio is going to be a much faster way to get help than a cell phone. You know, yeah, the sooner you on... do, uh, I mean, the the sooner you're going to get help. And when you're on that radio, there's a whole bunch of other cops on that frequency that hear the call and they know it's the real deal. You know, it's a cell phone. No one knows you're making the call until dispatch puts it out. Or until you get transferred. Yeah. If you say officer down and give a location, there, there's going to be tons of cops there. And it depends on the situation. A lot of people are afraid to get involved. There was a uh, 
video we watched in a training video. I forgot what city or state it was, but this cop went to arrest somebody, and all of a sudden he's in the fight for his life. I mean, it's a knockdown, drag down fight. It probably lasts three or four minutes. The cop is just getting exhausted, and there's people standing around watching. Nobody wants to get involved, and this cop is just he's getting weaker and weaker and he's trying to take this guy into custody and finally finally somebody runs in and he grabs the guy to help the cop and then everybody else came to the aid but everybody's afraid to be the first person to go in and in a way you can't blame them you're you know if somebody pulls out a gun or a knife or something but if you see a cop in a fist fight with somebody or struggling and you see that there's no weapons i mean god go in and give the guy a hand well, I, I don't, don't. I wouldn't say jump right into the middle of it. Ask that cop who's in the fight. Hey, can I help you? Because if you jump in the middle, he may think you're trying to pull him off the perp. So at right. least tell him, hey, can I please help you? Can so I help I'm here you? To all? help you. I'm here so, to help so, you. So the cop knows you're on his side. And he's not pulling his taser out to tase you now. But <laughs> at least identify yourself as being on the right side of the fence instead of the bad guy. The bad guy. Could totally. That could totally ruin your day and your pants. Yeah, yeah, and a whole bunch of stuff besides that, you know. Did you tase somebody by accident, Ed? You know what? I swear to God, I wish I had a taser back in the day. I'd have been sparky. I'd have been up and down. I'd have been lighting people up left, right. As soon as they got their ass in my face on the fence, I'd have lit them right up. Bang, right there. Jeez. Officer, where do I sign the citation? <laughs> That's a perfect signature. Thank you. Well, I, I can't tell you how many disabled uh, people on SSI have jumped eight-foot fences in a single bound and gotten away from me, where I could have just nailed them with a the taser going over the fence and I watched them fall back down, you know. But you guys got it made now. That's a very effective uh, deterrent. The new tasers now have little video cameras and sound on them. The new ones that they're starting to issue within our department. I mean, the old ones always recorded every taser, pull the trigger, how long it lasted, what time of day it was and everything. But the new ones now that they're giving the new officers, they have little cameras and microphones on them. So if you're going to taste somebody, you, you better make sure. Uh, you speak professionally. Right don't do use profanity. Yes. Don't Stop. do like Ed, It's really a good thing that you're not a cop. <laughs> <laughs> I still got that highway patrol tape, too. It's pretty funny. Oh, my God. Beep. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard That's... more beeps in a in a five-minute segment. than. Oh, it's like 30 seconds. There's the 29 beeps. <laughs> hey, that's hey, true professional. On True a professional. We've had a lot of um, fishing derbies and activity on the river with uh, like the Sturgeon Derby, uh, the Super Bowl Derby, a bunch of other uh, events where there's a ton of people out on the river. And unfortunately, uh, two weeks ago, um, on, a, on a calm day when it was probably 70 degrees, I mean, it was almost like a, a spring or summer day in winter, but it, the river was dead calm and this, <clears throat> this guy was out on his bass boat with the uh, trolling motor down and it looked like he was fishing off the bow of his boat near an area where there was this uh, sunken wreckage and we think that maybe the trolling motor bumped one of those underwater obstructions but he went over the bow and he was wearing one of these inflatable life vests that are common with duck hunters and fishermen and guys that don't want to wear a cumbersome life vest. Uh, most of them now are self-inflating, but this was an older style uh, that was manual activated, and either uh, from hitting his head and not being able to do so, or or panicking, or having a medical emergency like a heart attack, he was never able to inflate the vest. 
and we've been searching for them for uh, for two weeks now. The water degree <clears throat> temperature is like 49 degrees, and he weighed 140 pounds. And the chart says anywhere in that time frame, you know, he'll resurface in in about three weeks. But this family is just uh, <clears throat> torn apart from this tragedy, and it, again, it's something that. You know, with the right precautions, it never has to happen. So if you're a guy out on the river that does a lot of boating and you're using those manual-style vests, just uh, they, they don't serve a purpose um, because in that one time that you need it, like this victim did, you'll never be able to use it. So make sure you swap it out with one of the uh, automatic self-inflating ones. Mm. Can keep you alive. Yep. So any other uh, stories we want to hit on before we wrap it up? On a happy note, NASCAR Daytona 500 just over a week away. Hey, we got some NASCAR going on down here in Phoenix too. Here in a couple of weeks, Subway 500. We gotta go. You gotta come down again, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, they're a week after uh, Daytona, I think. Hey, yeah, those. Yeah, those guys gotta drive all over the country. Those cars. And they're getting an F1 track in Texas. So hallelujah. <laughs> so things are looking what? up. It's getting better every day in the U.S. So, all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up, and we'll uh, we'll uh, I guess we'll see all you guys. I guess next week. But with, uh, the most important thing is for all those people that have been following us on Twitter and well, emailing in all the questions. I sent out a pile of books, so hopefully, all those people that got books are actually enjoying them. I'd love to hear back if you hate them or not. Um, but yeah, if you send in a question and we use it on the show, you get a book. So if you send in your information, we'll, uh, we'll get you out one of the, the free copies. Cool. Thanks for all your interest. That's been, uh, it's been interesting. I, you know, the website gets hit a lot more these days. So if, uh, we try to keep it updated, we try to get a lot of news stories on there. So hit it, you know, head over to coptalk.info and we'll, uh, hopefully we'll see everybody next week. All right. See you next week. See you guys. Take care. Watch out for each other.